When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We are ready for a game week. That's right. This is the beginning of game week. NFL football is back tomorrow night or Tuesday, uh, Thursday night, excuse me, Bucks and the Cowboys. But more importantly, for the majority of our viewers here on Birds 365, it's Eagle Week. The Eagles return to the field in a game that counts against the Atlanta Falcons. And the guy who's going to give you every piece of information you need for that game is sitting right next to me. That would be my partner, John McMullen. Johnny Mac, how was your holiday weekend? Uh, it was good. How was yours, Jody? I know you were working. Yeah, I, I worked. Uh, why, why do it? I shifts? have to ask because I really want to yeah. know. You don't have to ask because you know I worked. But how many shifts? I do want to know. Just the regular three. I was on Saturday. I was on Sunday, and I was on uh, last night. Well, sometimes WIP. it gets amps. It gets amped up because some people take off on the true. Holiday. No double shifts. I did not have to do a double shift at all this weekend. So I guess it was just regular for me. But uh, glad to be back to work. Glad to be back uh, here on Bridge Three Sixty Five. The one thing that was good, well, good and bad. I slept in each of the last three days. Oh. I'm used to getting up early enough to do this show since we had. Labor Day off. I slept in yesterday. So when the alarm went off this morning at 6.15, I was like, uh-oh, football. That's good. Back to work. That's bad. I got to drink. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it's like to sleep. And I haven't slept past, I would say, 7.30 in four or five years. No. You get yeah. up every day no matter what? Every day. Body clock thing. Even if I don't uh, have to, I'm up. I can. I can. If I stay up till two o'clock in the morning, like I did, well, yeah, that's different. Doing a show, I, yeah, then I can it, sleep till it, nine. If you're or up 10. till at some point, if you're up till three. Although, you know, I I take that last Jets game, which got pushed back because of the the weather, and I didn't get home till by the time I was done working, I was three or four o'clock. I forget yeah. what it was. I was up still at seven thirty, quarter to eight. Yeah, I, well, you're nice. it, Yeah. We had to do the show the next day, so that was part of it. I was up before then. That, so that's you just true. power through it. And then you hopefully get a nap. We're not napping on the Eagles this year. We're both on, at least right now, the boat that says they can win almost as many games as they're going to lose. I'm sorry I can't get the Eagles above 500. I've tried, folks. I've gone through the schedule. I've been optimistic. Uh, I can't get the Eagles to nine wins. but uh, Or at least... Not between now and Friday, we'll find out. I'm doubting it highly. Uh, but we are getting ready for a game on Sunday, and it is the Atlanta Falcons. And, John, I will say this. I think this is a winnable game, more so because I don't think the Falcons are going to be very good this year. No, uh, I we... agree with you. Now, here's my concern, and I come up this every year. 
when you're facing a, a bad football team, hey, you never want to be on the road for, for the opener of another team because everybody's jacked up. Everybody's so excited. The environment tends to be really difficult to deal with. So that's number one I don't like about it. Number two, you never want to play a bad team early because they don't know how bad they are yet. And they're still fighting and kicking and clawing. Now you got a week 14 and the Atlanta Falcons are three and 11. You're that's when you want the Atlanta Falcons when they've said, Oh, we stink. We're and not that they're not trying, but you know, it's human nature. You're, you're saying to yourself, this is difficult. This is a slog that that first week, all those bad teams, they don't know how bad they are yet. Now mm. you could make that argument for the Eagles. From that, the that's exactly where I was yeah. going. Let's let's take a quick peek back at last year's standings. Oh, yeah. that's right. The Eagles were four and eleven. So uh, that that kind of balances it for me. If Atlanta doesn't remember how bad they were last year or how bad they're going to be this year, you can very easily say the same thing about the Eagles. Yeah, definitely, and and that's part of it. So that's where I kind of lean in. If this game were in Philadelphia, I'd be really confident about the Eagles, to be honest. Um, the fact that it's down there is a little bit more difficult. I did ask Nick Sirianni yesterday. The Eagles didn't practice, but we had some Zoom stuff. He's been talking all summer about how it's a big advantage that he's a rookie head coach and he doesn't want to show anything in the preseason. And all of a sudden, week one is here. And, oh, by the way, you're against a rookie head coach. He doesn't want to show anything. So it's kind of comical in the fact that there's so many uh, mirrored aspects of this game to both teams trying to be a little bit better than people expect them to be. I, I do think, I will say this, if one of these two teams is going to be a little bit better than people think, it's probably going to be the Eagles. So that part of it is, is a positive to me. That I do agree. I want to ask you about a couple of guys that the Eagles made available to you uh, via Zoom yesterday, Nick Sirianni being one of them. Another one was a guy who was, for me, I guess I shouldn't be, but I was a little surprised of his choice as a captain. The Eagles named their six captains yesterday, as Sirianni explained to you guys and everybody else, uh, by player vote. That's the way he's always done it. Any team he's ever been on, the players vote for it. They came up with six guys, four on the defensive side, two on the offensive side. Read into that what you think you must. The two offensive guys were Jalen Hurts, who is, yes, very young in his NFL career to be a captain, but if a quarterback is a leader, he basically has to be one of your captains. That's that's a foregone conclusion. And he is a leader, the by the way. I think, you know, he would have got voted anyway because we talk about Jalen Hurts. He's a natural leader, but I, you know, people gravitate towards him. So that wouldn't even surprise me regardless of position. But sorry to interrupt. No, I didn't. Uh... You're, you're right. He's a leader and he's the quarterback. So it was a no brainer. Um, Kelsey has been one of the leaders on this team for seems like sneaking up on a decade now. So nobody's surprised by that. Um, certainly Fletcher Cox, highest paid, been around a long time. He gets a nod as does Brandon Graham, who is absolutely one of the leaders on the defensive side of the ball. Rodney McLeod. If you've got a safety, who's a leader and a guy who's going to call signals and we assume Rodney's going to call him. If he's going to be out there, we still don't know if he's going to play week one, but it seems like the Eagles are targeting that and hoping that's the case. Otherwise, they probably would have put him on the IR to start the season. And Alex Singleton, which 
I guess part of that is special teams. He was a big part of their special teams last year. And he's even though he's targeted to be on the field as a linebacker for a lot of snaps this year, he'll still be part of the special teams. There's usually a special teams guy in there, but he is also one of the defensive players. So it breaks out four and two defense over offense. You read anything into that, Johnny Mac? No, I, in fact, I think Alex is more of the special teams. Not that he's not going to play defense, but I think he's the special teams captain, essentially, from that. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, and the Eagles apologize for this. They gave us uh, Singleton on Zoom, as you mentioned, and then they released the captains as soon as he left. And they said uh, they they did apologize behind the scenes. It yeah, I was nice... waiting for I was waiting for the question yeah, about know. hey Alex, how about making captaincy? Because I know. didn't watch it till after the fact. Yeah. So we... I already knew who the captains were, and then I watched the interviews on the website, and I said, how did they not ask him about the captaincy? Because yeah, we didn't know, <laughs> uh, or, or we would have, and it would have been nice. Uh, right in between Alex, I think he was the last player to speak, and, and Nick Sirianni, they announced the captains, and they said, sorry, <laughs> the social media blunder. They sent, these days, the Eagles release everything on social media first. Right. Um, and they did apologize for it, but that's why I wasn't asked the question. So it would have been nice to ask the question. We will eventually, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it has it brings up, okay, this is a special teams captain. Not that Alex, you know, might – play more than anybody else because he's going to be out there all the time on defense and he's going to be out there all the time on special teams. Really, really a great story. And the fact that, you know, this is an example for other players who, and really it starts with Jalen Hurts, to be honest, because I say it all the time, no matter what the Eagles say, they didn't want him on the field. They didn't want to be they're, they're trying to make Gary's of the world who can't play a lick and, they finally put him on the field, and he plays so well they can't get him off. And, and yeah, but new coaching staff, he finally proved himself to the old coaching staff. He's got to do it again to the new coaching staff. He comes in. Remember, he tested positive at the beginning of training camp for COVID. He got killed for that. He got shamed for that uh, because people didn't wait. And sure enough, he was vaccinated. It was a breakthrough case. Uh, comes back, plays lights out, proves himself to the new coaching staff. He's a captain of this team. It really is the path for Jalen Hurts. Um, and Jalen has a much bigger pedigree um, than Alex Singleton. But from the standpoint of if you play well and you're on the field, they're not taking you off the field. From that standpoint, he's a perfect example. I hope it's the same exact with the new coaching staff. I think it's going to be. Uh, they will not forget what Singleton did last year, and they'll judge him for what he's done this year, which, oh, by the way, in the preseason games, which the Eagles seem to de-emphasize like no other team in the National Football League. <laughs> he was their best player during his preseason games. He's all over the field making tackles, making splash yeah. plays. So, yes, I think he's going to be on the field a lot. I would argue and, the Rams de-emphasize even more than the Eagles. The Rams don't play anybody. That's true. I stand corrected. Thank you, Johnny Matthew. They they play nobody, nobody. Uh, but at least their head coach has actually been in the Super Bowl. So he's got the grabby tots to make that kind of decision. Oh, that's right. Nick Sirianni isn't deciding how he Roseman is. I digress. Um, I, I do want to ask about this, though, because when I heard it, I immediately thought of you. 
and I give you credit for singing the praises of Alex Singleton here because uh, you are just judging the facts. Alex Singleton took a shot at your boy, Schwartz, yesterday. He did. He <laughs> did say look. that Schwartz's defense has he been around stumbling. since like he the... He was stumbling when he was It's doing been that. around since like the Stone Age, and yes, that's what Jim Schwartz runs, and we shall not change it because it is the Jim Schwartz defense, and it's your job to fit into the Jim Schwartz defense, whereas this year's defense under Jonathan Gannon is going to be pretty damn flexible, and none of you guys really know what we're going to do yet, so... Look out for the new flexible, new and improved flexible defense of the Philadelphia Eagles, which I laughed at, but I even thought was a little harsh because it was Jim Schwartz who put him out there to give him a chance to prove he belongs in the NFL. But uh, the inflexible defense that the Eagles used to run. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I think people, same thing, and we'll probably talk about Dallas Goddard saying the Eagles went a different way. However you phrase that, I'll have to look up the exact quote. I thought people overjumped that. Remember, when you're talking and you and I do this every day, you're you're talking extemporaneously. Sometimes you just you could see Alex going, uh-oh, when he was when he was talking about. I think he was trying to compliment Jonathan Gannon. And then about halfway through, he was like, oh. And he, started he took a short stumbling. shot. Yes, he yeah. did. And he started stumbling around a little bit. Look, I mean, yeah, Jim is honest. Jim definitely has a philosophy, definitely has a system. His goal is to make the players play fast. He tries to simplify it as much as possible. But I, but I do think it's unfair. And I think if Alex is back, he'll – Admit that. I mean, you know, he used to get killed, for instance, for playing too much zone, and then Slay gets here and he gets killed for playing too much man to man. And vice- I, I mean, it, it it is what it is. But I think I think Alex Singleton was trying to compliment Jonathan Gannon, and he started stumbling about halfway through, and he probably said, "Uh oh, I probably shouldn't have said that." But uh, he can say that. Who cares? Jim's not here anymore. He, he entertained me. I can tell you that uh, because you're a bigger Schwartz fan than I was. All right. The other guy, one of the other guys they gave you yesterday was Dallas Goddard. Speaking of speaking his mind, was asked about the ongoing contract negotiations with the Eagles, said he and his representation thought they were going to be able to get something done. But the Eagles went another way. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was going to get played up. And there's another example. Look, uh, again, in these Zoom circumstances, I'm, I'm going to try to ask Dallas when we get back down to practice and we, we're we back to not, you know, face-to-face, but at least person-to-person interviews where we can get within six feet of them uh, and try to get some clarification. The way I took it as – he thought he was going to get an extension done. It get, didn't get done. Look, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the Eagles um, salary cap issues again, uh, lighten up after the season, not before the season. I think his representation knows, and they were just validated by the Mark Andrews contract in, in Baltimore that this guy's going to get paid a lot of money. The Eagles are probably looking for a more cost-effective, cost-friendly deal. And they probably would have signed off on it. Um, so I I think that's what he was trying to get at. But the way he phrased it, and again, you know, Dallas is just a player speaking off the top of his head. It comes across like, oh, the Eagles are going in a different direction like they told him that. 
I, I, I do think the Eagles want Dallas Goddard. The Eagles plan to have Dallas Goddard. And the Eagles plan to sign him to an extension. They just haven't been able to get it done yet. There's a couple curveballs. As we said, when Minnesota lost Irv Smith, they called the Eagles. But they called the Eagles about Dallas Goddard, not Zach Ertz. Um, and evidently, Howie Roseman placed the price so high that Minnesota went in a different direction. Um, then there's also the constant Deshaun Watson rumors. So if Deshaun Watson ever decides, okay, throw Philadelphia in the mix, the assumption around the league is, well, you're going to have to give some players along with draft picks to, to Houston if you're going to acquire a player like that. And the Eagles don't have a ton of young players that would fit into, you know, the type of, of talent you're looking for when you're trying to spin off. So the assumption is Goddard would be in that type of trade. Howie Roseman's always open for business. Always. That's why he got in trouble with Zach Ertz. He'll listen. You pick up the phone, you ask about anybody, he'll listen. Um, but I don't think it's they're actively shopping Dallas Goddard. They're actively trying to get rid of Dallas Goddard. They just haven't gotten to the point where they feel they can get the extension done. It's fun. I think it's funny that you said uh, how he throws a one ask number on Goddard and Minnesota decides to go in another way. Uh, and you were questioning Dallas Goddard in the way he described the Eagles decided to go in another way. Maybe Dallas and his representation believe the Eagles offer was so low as compared to other tight ends in the league. You said they would have liked to get a cap friendly deal for the themselves. Maybe that's how they interpret the Eagles have gone another way because they didn't really bring a fair and true and compromisable well, that, deal. That is table. probably true. That is probably – I mean, they want they want less than what Mark Andrews got, I can tell you that, because, you know, they, the bar was Kittle, um, and they didn't want to go above that bar. I do know that. So – Generally, contracts are, are about timing and circumstance. We always talk about it. the next guy gets the most money. Yep. Dallas Goddard and, and is trying to get the most money, uh, and he should because he's well-regarded around the league. But the Eagles are probably going to hold off until their salary cap situation is, is better. And you remember, you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I said, if I were Dallas Goddard, I would bet on myself because it isn't going down. And this is what Joe Banner always uh, says, and he's right, by the way. You know, it, that's why the Eagles sort of set this philosophy in motion. Identify young players you like, you want early, and extend them as early as possible because it never comes down. Uh, again, unless there's a massive injury or something of that nature, the, the number's never coming down. So the Eagles have been smart with that. And on the other side of the fence, you can be smart about it too and realize that number's not coming down. If I just play and play to my level, it's going up. And here's, I think Dallas Goddard should bet on himself. Here's here's the one way that it might not go Dallas Goddard way and go up, and you say the number has to go up. No, they were banking on him being the tight end one. And right now, if you ask me who's got the chance to go out and make the most catch and get the most yards to the Eagles – it's a toss-up between he and Zach Ertz. So there's a one and one A. And a lot of people believe during this offseason, Zach Ertz was going to be the one. And 
who knows who's going to be the two, Richard Rodgers or whoever else. Uh, he's now sharing that tight end one position, and you keep trying to tell me they're going to try and get into less 12 formation than they did last year. I don't know about that because their best players My, are both uh, tight ends when I it comes to receivers. So. I agree with that, but I don't think it's up to – if Zach Ertz plays like Zach Ertz previously, 2015 to 2019 version, and Dallas Goddard just plays like Dallas Goddard, it's still going up because people are still going to value him. In other words, if they both play well, people are not going to say, oh, Dallas Goddard isn't a good player. They already think he is around this league. And I don't think that part of the equation shifts if Zach Ertz plays well. Uh, but I agree with you with the Eagles, Nick Sirianni. Boy, I think it's going to happen week one. They might try to throw out Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins Let's get speed on the field. And, man, that first press coverage bump, uh, the first drop, and they're going to go, eh, let's get our good players on the field. I agree with you. <laughs> let's get our best uh, lineup out there. All right. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming up next, we got our first guest of the day. We tried to get him up here last week. Miscommunication on my part um, with the rushes being cut down. Guy who knows what it's like to put together a roster in the National Football League. He did so for the Washington Redskins, their former general manager, now talk show host in Baltimore, Vinny Serrato, up next here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. 
wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Game week has arrived. The National Football League gets their regular season underway Thursday night and then big time on Sunday. Here to lend us some insight to the entire National Football League. Guy who knows it quite well, was in it for years, doing sports talk in Baltimore these days, and a proud papa. Before we get into football, Serato, Vinny Serato joins us here on Birds 365. Who am I going to have to start paying attention to? Charlie signed his letter of intent to play college hockey for who? Michigan. <laughs> wow. Michigan. Yeah. Is it still well, he only he only committed he committed to Michigan. He's just gonna be a junior in high school right now. He's still he's playing for the development team out of Plymouth, Michigan. So it's a two-year commitment there. And how about Jody? They're going to in November, they're going to Finland. <clears throat> December they're going to Slovakia. Oh wow. Now, Benny, I thought you would steer him back to Minnesota. Minnesota Duluth. Get him up to Minnesota Duluth. No, we visited. <laughs> he liked it. it was his choice. He visited <clears throat> Minnesota, Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, Penn State, Boston University. You know, so he had some uh, some opportunities, and he liked and Wisconsin. He liked Michigan. Came down to Michigan and Wisconsin. Okay, yeah, kind of told you, yeah, Dad. Notre Dame's not happening, huh? Uh, the, the Irish are we known went. for hockey. They're more known for the gridiron than they are for their hockey team. Well, we went we went and visited Jody last week because we watched uh, football practice. You know, before they were getting ready for the Florida State game, so that was that was kind of fun. They're pretty good at hockey, though, aren't they, Benny? Notre Dame's pretty yeah. good at hockey. Yeah, Notre yeah. Notre Dame's Notre Dame's good in hockey. Um, they. They've had some pros and stuff, you know, but University of Michigan had four of the top five picks in the NHL draft last oh, year. Oh, wow. All right. There we go. <laughs> uh, that was a yeah. pretty good uh, lore for him to show up there. Well, <laughs> please, please tell Charlie we said congratulations. Um, but we do want to get you on to talk some football here. Uh, kind of a, another make-it-up-as-you-go-along type season here in the NFL, coming out of a major COVID season, now with new COVID rules and hopefully less issues than we had last year, but they're still very present. Is this season going to get off without a hitch, Vinny? Are we going to get all the games in? Last year, rescheduling, playing games on Thursday afternoon had never been done before in the National Football League. Is the NFL well-situated to get their whole year in? Oh, I, th- I think I, I mean, if they made it through last year with no vaccinations, you know, then I think uh, they'll make it through this year. And, and I liked the, the games on what, Tuesday and Wednesday. It was kind of fun to have <laughs> football all week long. <laughs> now, Benny, if you could go back to your days as a as a GM, though, you, you have sort of this baked in bye week now with only three preseason games. Yeah. So you saw all weekend. 
kids going back to their colleges, and you see some of those crowds. You mentioned Notre Dame, Florida State, Wisconsin. Anybody saw Gus Johnson call that? Fans were going crazy. They're packed on top of each other. How how would there be any hand wringing for you as a GM saying, "Okay, guys, look, you're going to be around young people. Maybe the protocols aren't the best, and all of a sudden you come back, you test positive." Zach Martin, Dallas Cowboys Thursday night. Now he wasn't back. That happened earlier. He's not going to be out there. Is this in a lot of ways going to be more difficult for the teams? Well, I saw an interview yesterday, Jerry Jones, and he said that Zach Martin has a chance to be back because he was vaccinated and he has to have, what, two negative tests over a 24-hour period. So he's got a shot to be back. You know, I would be, if my player, any of my players were uh, Lamar Jackson, not vaccinated, I wouldn't want them, you know, leaving because the Ravens were off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And vaccinated players, you know, go ahead. Unvaccinated players, I would be really nervous about them going and being in that type of environment. Vinny, you mentioned the Ravens. No, you cover them down there in Baltimore. I was contemplating picking them to win the division. But, man, did they get hit by the injury bug. Not the COVID bug. The injury bug here right before the season started. Lost two of their key wide receivers. J.K. Dobbins done for the entire year. They're bringing in Le'Veon Bell to get a look at him. Man, did Lamar Jackson's weapons take a hit this last week before the season got underway. Yeah, no question about it, Jody. Rashad Bateman was the big one because he was their best receiver by far. And he was he looked really good, you know. And um, he went up and had surgery up in Philly from Dr. Myers. And, and I had Sean Springs on, you know, last week because Sean had that surgery. And he's going to be out till at least probably second week in October. I would think Bateman will be, you know, and then you talk about the running back Dobbins. I, I, I predicted Dobbins would rush for over 1200 yards this year and probably a 300 yards rush uh, receiving, you know, and justice Hill is a good back who they trust, who played well for them down the stretch <laughs> last year. You know, now they got Ty Williams and, and they got Gus Edwards, you know, they, they have two guys that are playing that weren't in their roles last year. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, Gus Edwards is a good player can he carry the load? You know, and Ty Williams, who's on the practice squad last year, what's he going to be? My biggest concern about the Ravens, though, Jody, is, is the O-line. The O-line, the O-line their, their first group played against uh, Washington last week against Washington's twos, and they give up two sacks in that drive. I'm just nervous because Lamar will have a good year if the O-line can pass protect but he doesn't ever get time to throw. They're decent run blockers, but right now they're not good pass protectors. You know, that's interesting, Benny, because Ronnie Stanley, I think he was on his way to being, if not the top left tackle in football, one of the top left tackles until he got injured. So how is he looking coming back off that injury? Has it been a struggle for him? Uh, he's been coming back slowly. He played in his first game in a long, long time You know, against Washington. He gave up one pressure in that game. So uh, I'm not nervous about Ronnie Stanley. I think he'll be all right. But Villanueva has been struggling the whole camp, you know, and Zeitler does a nice job in the run game, but he struggles a little bit in the past. Their left guard, Ben Powers, it's a revolving door at the left guard, and, and he just doesn't sustain very well. So they've got some issues in the past game. 
Vinny, let me ask you about your former squad before we get your take on the Eagles. Got to know about the Washington football team. Um, they're the defending champions. They've got a defense that says they should be favored to win it again. Uh, Cowboy fans aren't going to be happy with that, but I think they are the favorite to win it again. Uh, Antonio Gibson came in from Memphis last year and uh, grabbed the job by the throat, and I give him credit for it. But this year, everyone's going to have a little bit more of a book on Antonio uh, Gibson, and it may be a little bit more difficult. Do you think the Redskins' backfield is good enough that they can win games? I know Fitz Magic will be Fitz Magic and Fitz Tragic, and uh, what he's been his yeah. entire career, the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Are they going to be able to ground out wins in the NFC East this year? Yeah, they're going to have to ground them out. They're going to have to play great on defense, great on special teams, and not turn the ball over. I, I went over and I saw Dan Snyder for the first time in like 11 years, like a month ago, <laughs> you know. And um, he, I said, Dan, I said, what about your quarterback? You know, because he's all over the place. He said, all he's got to do is not turn it over. We're good on defense. You know, so, I mean, that's that's kind of what they're thinking is, is play good defense and just don't turn it over. But as we all know, Fitz Magic, you know, I mean, he can be great for four games, bad for two, good for one, bad for two, you know, so you just don't ever know what you're going to get with him. That That's the problem with Washington, I think, is just consistency with their offense and can they stay healthy on defense. Now, Benny, you said you, you saw Daniel Snyder for the first time in 11 years. Did he contact yep. you at three in the morning to make it feel like old times? <laughs> no, he didn't. He, he didn't. It was, it was, um, Shiva for his mother passed away. So I went uh, down, you know, he called me and invited me down, you know, for the Shiva. So I took the two boys with me and, and Dan's son actually is, uh, like H back at Appy state. He was a freshman going in there. So it was kind of, you know, and, uh, how about this? How about, um, Jerry, his son, he still has a picture up on his wall of Vincent and Charlie and him together, you know, and in pictures and stuff. So that was kind of fun. And, and I'll tell you what, when I talked to him, it was like, uh, I saw him yesterday, you know, <laughs> it was just, it wasn't, uh, different at all. It was kind of, uh, it was kind of surreal how it was. Now, you mentioned um, Washington football team against the Ravens, and, and you mentioned the Ravens struggling uh, against that front, but it was the second teamers. How good is that Washington front overall? Is that the best front in this, this league? It might be. I mean, they got all first-rounders, and, you know, Sweat and Chase are good pass rushers. You know, Allen's a good – you know, so they can get after the quarterback. Um, so that front – they're, they're good on defense. You know, can they stay held? And that second group wasn't bad. I mean, against the against Baltimore's first, you know, they had two sacks. And they weren't playing any of their guys. So, <clears throat> they're going to have a good rotation. You know, can they score enough? Like, when they play Dallas, can they score enough points to beat the Cowboys? That's going to be the key there. You know, with Philly, I think Philly's in a rebuild. And, you know, who knows Daniel Jones, you know, with the Giants. I'm – I'm not crazy about the, the Giants. I think it'll be Dallas or probably Washington, you know, in that division. All right. Now, we do want to get your take on the Eagles, but let me ask you this last thing first. Um, you lived it. I sort of lived it. I lived it uh, from just outside the loop with my father being a general manager in professional baseball. The relationship between the GM and the coach. Many people say it's the most important relationship 
in an entire sporting organization, and I tend to agree. Here in Philadelphia, Howie Roseman is a very hands-on general manager. How important is that relationship between GM and coach? Uh, extremely important. Uh, you know, like <clears throat> I had Joe Gibbs in Washington. You know, I had some – with North Turner, it was great too, you know, because Norv and I saw things eye to eye. You know, when we had Spurrier, uh, that was a little bit uh, different. You know, he he saw only uh, – what blue and orange? It's all he wanted. He he said, "I gotta have, I gotta have, uh, I gotta have Danny Warfel." You know, at cut down time. You know, we can't cut Warfel. You know, it took me it took me like an hour. Dan says, "You go down and talk to him." So I says, "I said, Steve, we gotta cut Warfel." He says, "Uh, no, you know, I mean, he fought it, then he slept on it, and then he came back in the next day." He says. My wife said he's magical. We got to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> but with That's with funny. Joe Gibbs, Joe Joe was awesome. You know, because you got to be joined at the hip, and and Joe was so respectful to everything. You know that he included you in everything. I mean, Joe made all the decisions. You know, he had final mm. say so on everything. Uh, I'll give you one. Um, Chris Samuels, we um, we were gonna sign him. Uh, you know, it was like. Uh, it was senior bowl time and his agent kind of had us because we were in cap trouble and we needed, uh, Chris to, uh, uh, restructure. So, I mean, he really pinched us. And so Joe and I walk in and Dan's in there with Lewis Riddick, Scott, you know, all the other personnel people and all the other, uh, and Eric Schaefer, who was our contract guy. And they, and Dan, uh, Joe and I walk into the room and Dan says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to sign him. And he said to Joe, what do you want to do? And we were the only two that wanted to sign him. Everybody else said, let him go. So Dan says, okay, all right, I'll sign him. You two want him, I'll sign him. You know, so me and Joe walk out. We walk down the hall, and he grabs my arm. He says, if Chris gets hurt, we're both jumping off the ledge together. (laughs) (laughs) And he went on to be like uh, four more Pro Bowls after that, you know, so it was good. Now, going back to Danny Werfel, what you should have done, Benny, is sent Spurrier to the golf course and release uh, release Werfel when he was on the legs. And that way you could have you could have got you could have avoided all the the trouble there. But I do want to talk to you about well, the when, coach he left, when he left when he left, John. John, how about when when he decided to quit? You know, me and Dan, he because he was at the golf course. Me and Dan were at the movie theaters watching them. We're at the movie theaters watching a movie. And, and then, like, Dan goes outside to take a phone call, and then he calls me. You know, I'm watching – I'm sitting in the movie theater watching it by myself now. And he calls me. He says, get out here. Get out here. You know? I said, what? I said, the movie's good. And he said, Spurrier's calling from the golf course and wants to quit. <laughs> oh, the tremendous stories from Benny Serrato. I do want to talk to you about that coach-GM relationship. And – how much is it overblown, Benny? We always talk about 52nd, 53rd. How much disagreement is there between a – it might be a personnel guy. It might not be, be the coach, GM. But when you're that deep in the roster, the, the people kind of overblow that kind of stuff. My my thinking was, even in, in San Fran, you know, I mean, that's the coach's decision, not my decision. You know, the, the coach's decision – because they know what they need. They know what they want. You know, like when we were in San Fran, but the reason why we were really good in San Francisco was 
everybody knew their role, you know, and we had personnel meetings during those times during training camp. Every night we would meet and we would talk over personnel. So everybody was always on the same page. You know, that was a thing because it was all inclusive and everybody understood where we were at. Yeah, I'll tell you a good story. George Seifert about uh, T.O. T.O., he was dropping everything in training camp, dropping all kinds of balls. So we're going to play our first preseason game. And George comes up to me, says, uh, I think your boy needs to be on a practice squad. He's not ready yet. So we go to the game and he catches like five balls and a touchdown in the first preseason game. And George goes, Guess your boy's a gamer. <laughs> That's the, er- the early stages of T.O. with our buddy yeah. Vinny Serrano yeah. here with us on Birds 365. All right, Vinny, need your take on the Birds. Uh, you're down in Baltimore, so you've seen what Lamar Jackson has done. I won't say to revolutionize the position, but take it to an- the another level with his ability to pull it down and take off and make plays with his legs. That's going to be a key element, I believe, for uh, the Eagles this year with Jalen Hurts. He was very effective uh, turning it upfield and making first downs with his legs. The question with Lamar has always been, he's good throwing the football, but he's not great. He's not Mahomes-like. He's not going to have those type of numbers. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be able to throw it effectively enough? We look at the same thing with Jalen Hurts coming into this year. If Lamar is a couple steps ahead of Jalen because he's a couple more steps in the league, do you like the progression that Lamar has made? Can Hurts duplicate that here in Philadelphia over the next year or two? I don't think he can duplicate what Lamar can do running. I mean, Lamar Lamar is the fast, one of the fastest people in the league. Jalen Hurts is not the type of runner that Lamar Jackson is. So that's not even – Lamar could be a big-time running back. I mean, Lamar's going to rush for 1,000 yards every year. Jalen Hurts is not going to do that. He doesn't have those kind of skills. You know, I think the key with both guys is I think, you know, both can throw the football if they have time to throw the ball. That's the thing. Because, you know, it's about fundamentals of throwing the football and stuff. And, like, what happened with Lamar last year, he couldn't step and throw. And, like, the Eagles offensive line sucked last year too. You know, and so did the Ravens. And if you don't have time to throw, you can't step. You know, it's just like throwing a baseball. If you're not stepping at your target, it's hard It's hard to be accurate. And that's what happened to Lamar, why Lamar went down with his accuracy. So if the Eagles, if they can get pass protection, he'll complete balls. But if he has to scramble all over the place and can't step when he throws and, um, you know, the, the rush is forced into his face because he can't see, you know, then he's going to struggle. Benny, uh, more – a sort of existential question from me, and this will be my last for you. And thanks for joining the program. Great stories. I love Benny Serrata's stories. Just phenomenal. But I, you know, when you're at this position and you're on the cusp of week one, so I want to take you back to your GM executive days. Did you always know what you had? Was there any surprises? In other words, did you think, okay, we got a potential 10-win team. We're not very good. We're rebuilding. Did you always have a good feel for what you had? I ask that because the Eagles have a rookie head coach, really a first-time starting quarterback with four. Can they possibly know what they have, or or do you guys get a good feel for that? In San Francisco, we had a good feel all the time, you know, because we were – we always won. I mean, we won – the, the least we ever amount we ever won was 10, you know, so we always won at least 10 games. So we always, 
you know, we were always Super Bowl or bust. You know, like like the, where the Eagles are, where I was at at times in Washington. A lot of times you don't know. You don't know. You know, I mean, it was like the in 99 in Washington, we ended up winning the division. Did we expect that? No, we had Brad Johnson, who was new quarterback. We had Stephen Davis. You know, and our receivers, all of a sudden with Westbrook and Albert Cannell, we were one, two in the league, you know, and our defense kind of stepped up and uh, we, we could run the football and throw the football. So that was a surprise for us winning the division. So I, I think a lot of times you're learning a lot about your football team um, and you've got to learn, you know, and you, your rookies, you got to learn about them. You know, the one year, when Sean Taylor passed, we were five and six at the time. Then we won the rest of our games and, you know, and you don't know those kind of things, what's going to happen. And you don't know about the injuries and you don't know how the team's going to come together. That that's, that's the biggest, because, you know, you kind of grow as a group, especially when you're in a situation like the Eagles, I mean, Kansas city, Tampa, those teams know who they are and what they are and what to expect. You know, the Eagles, they don't know. They don't know. The biggest thing is what you got to do is you got to stay healthy. You know, if the Eagles can stay healthy, they'll have a chance to win games. I mean, because they don't have the depth that other teams have. I'm jumping back into the general manager and coach relationship again for my final question. I I, I don't know if the Eagles are going to be ready to play week one against Atlanta. They derivated from what has been – common usage of players in preseason to get ready. There's one less preseason game, so that cuts into it to begin with. And uh, with this team, Nick Sirianni chose to give most of his star players basically the preseason off, handful of snaps. We'll see. Maybe they come out. We know they're pretty damn healthy, so it's worked in that regard. But we'll see if they're up to speed for playing full 60 games. Again, how much did you dictate? How much did the coach dictate? Did you just go hands off and say, coach, it's your team now. You play who you need. I, I provided you the roster. It's going to be up to you to decide who's going to play X amount of snaps. How did you uh, and your coaches get along in deciding how to handle preseason to get ready for game one? It was all uh, all about the coaches. You know, the coaches, the coaches did it all, you know, and I stepped away. You know, I mean, you – we drafted and, but the coaches were involved in everything we did. It was, everybody was included in all that. I sat in on the meetings of, you know, who was going to play when and all that. I didn't have a problem with it, you know, because I'm just sitting there evaluating, you know, the situation at that time, but it was the coach's decision. Once we got to a certain point, you know, you got, you got to training camp, the coaches know best, not me. I'm not telling them, Hey, you know, you got to keep this guy. You got to keep that guy. No. They have a feel for it. They're they're sitting in their meetings with them and everything, you know. And if they don't want to keep a draft pick, they don't want to keep a draft pick, you know. And the players know. If you go ask a player in May, you know, is this guy going to help us? No. Or is this guy going to help us? <laughs> Absolutely. Like the year we drafted Chris Samuels, you know who was working with him every day? Bruce Smith, because he knew he could help him in the fall, you know. So the player, the players know, you know, who should be on a team and who shouldn't be on a team, and they know. Who can and can help them? But back to the question, no. You know, at cut down time, I, you know, the coaches, we, I would sit in the meetings and we would do cuts and stuff. And sometimes I kind of like, eh, you know, but uh, I let them decide. That is uh, pretty telling. I think the game has changed. I know you're out a couple of years, Vin, but seems like much more hands-on from uh, general managers. And we believe that. A lot of analytics. A lot of analytics. A lot of, yeah. a lot of analytics. Yeah. 
Very yeah. true. <laughs> Vinny, great stuff. Again, tell Charlie we said congrats. Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll tap into you during the season. Uh, we appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Thanks, that man. is Vinny Serrato, former general manager of the Washington uh, Redskins, a.k.a. the Washington football team, uh, who now does sports talk down in Baltimore. You can come on and talk uh, both Washington, Baltimore, and some Eagles with us here on Birds 365. All right, coming back, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, the Mac and Mac guys. I got a couple of Eagle things I need to run by my partner next here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We certainly thank Vinny Serrato 
hopping aboard, as John said right before we went to break. He's like a library, just got great stories. And when you get Vinny going, wind him up, he starts telling stories. He can put a smile on your face. Yeah. If you're a By the way, you know, would T.O. show up and practice and join practices? Uh, he's got a point there. There are gamers, as they say. That's very true. But somehow we're supposed to know the Eagles are good. Because they were really good in joint practices. Yes, undefeated in joint practices. 4-0, it's huge. Uh, that's why I have some reservations about the early part of the schedule this year with the birds. Uh, but there is one thing that, um, and and this is, Vinny's not alone in this, and maybe I'm just a bigger fan and have more confidence. Um, I think people are underestimating Jalen Hurts' ability to run the football with the start of this season. No, we didn't get in until uh, three quarters of the way through the year and ended up starting four games. His final game, he only rushed for 30 some odd yards because they had to get the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld into the game in the second half. But the three weeks <laughs> previous to that, he had rushed for 106, 63, and 69 yards. Johnny Mack, I did the math. That's 79 yards a game over a three game period. Now, I know you got to average it out. That was three games. I guess it's like Travis Fogum had that four-game run and what happened before and what happened after. Well, not enough to give him a chance to make the football team this year. I think Jalen Hurts running the football is going to be a major weapon for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson. I don't need him to be as fast. Um, he might not be as dynamic as... Uh, Murray of Arizona, but I think he's the third best running quarterback in the National Football League. I think it's a legitimate <laughs> weapon. I think this team is going to run a ton of RPOs, and he's going to keep the football and turn it upfield and move the chains. I think it's going to be a big part of the Eagles' offense this year. Jalen Hurts keeping the football and running with it. Do you think yeah, it is? I, mean, is? I, I agree with you. I think you're going to show up week one. You're going to see a ton of RPOs. I think he's going to be a huge impact from a rushing standpoint. That's going to be a big part of this offense. I, I've said the same thing. What I think Benny was saying is what I said. We've talked about it on this show. I don't like the Lamar Jackson comparison because they're different types of runners. Lamar Jackson's this freakish athletic, you know, the best, Correlation previously would be Michael Vick, uh, even more athletic than that, if that's possible. But Jalen Hurts is a power lifter. I've always made the comparison that he's like Cam Newton, not as big. He's that type of runner. Still very effective, still very uh, important to the offense and capable of helping the offense. I think what Benny was trying to say, they're not similar type players. Um, and I agree with that. I think the better comparison from a running standpoint is a Cam Newton type, uh, not because of the size. It's not a perfect comparison because Cam is just this monstrous. But from a power standpoint, and again, Jalen Hurts dating back to his high, uh, his high school days was a power lifter. I've heard one personnel executive says he's like a fullback playing quarterback. He's just powerful. I don't think people realize how powerful he is because he, he's not Cam Newton's stature, but he's incredibly, incredibly strong. I, I, I 
don't think the comparison is there stylistic, stylistically with Lamar Jackson. Understood. I, I do think you can compare them, and you just need to compare production instead of style. I don't care how Jalen Hurts rushes for 1,000 yards this year. I don't. If it's whether it's with speed and or moves and juking a defender rather than dropping a shoulder and moving a defender and extending the football and getting three or four extra yards, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And if he and Lamar Jackson do it differently, that's perfectly fine to me. I just want to compare what they're producing. How many yards are they getting? How many first downs are they getting when they put the pull the football down and take off with it? I think you can compare those two things between those two quarterbacks. Just because one does it with more dexterity and one does it with more power, you can still compare the two of them. And I really do believe there's three running quarterbacks in this league, guys who absolutely are going to make big plays with their legs, and the Eagles have one of them. Yeah, I Lamar agree Jackson, that. Murray, and and Jalen Hurts, and everyone, and and Josh Allen has got the capabilities of doing it, but I just don't think he's going to do it that much, and I think he'll do it less this year than he's ever done it before. I still think it's going to be a huge part of the Eagles' offense this year. Jalen Hurts taking oh, off. Oh, it was football. a huge part when he was in for the the short period he was. I mean, you have to take advantage of his running ability. You have to. I mean, that's one of the strengths in theory of Jalen Hurts' game. The Eagles know that. That part I agree with. I, I just think – I think what Benny was trying to say is they're not uh, stylistically comparable. But, yeah, if you're just talking about impact and piling up yards and how you do – you're not looking at how you do it, I, I yeah, he's going to be very effective. That's a big part of his game. No question right. about it. You mentioned that Jalen uh, – excuse me, uh, Lamar Jackson rushed for 1,000 yards. I think there's a chance that Jalen Hurts rushes for a thousand yards. Well, I don't. I, I, here's where I'll deter. I don't want him to rush for a thousand yards. I, 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 do you want to, do you want to win football games this year? Well, yes and no. Um, do you want to get him hurt? Uh, you know, I think if he's rushing for a thousand yards, you know, by, you know, if you hit that number, you, you probably played a significant level of football. But I do ultimately think you're playing with fire. I do ultimately think he's going to get hurt. There's the difference. There's the big difference between Lamar Jackson to this point. And by the way, I think if Lamar Jackson plays long enough, he's going to get hurt as well. But there's the difference. Lamar Jackson, nobody can hit the guy because he's such a freak athletically to this point. Jalen Hurts, people are going to hit him. And if you play like a fullback playing quarterback, that's my concern. I think that the Eagles are not as concerned as John McMullen is because they haven't well, committed to Jalen Hurts yeah. going forward for years to come. If he carries him for 14 weeks, he gets hurt in week 15. Here comes off the bench Gardner Minshew to sit, try and save well, the that, that is if, if that's their plan, if their plan is essentially – you know, Ezekiel Elliott early in his career, but only a corner quarterback. We only got this guy for a short period. Let's run him into the ground. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, it depends. But I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned Josh Allen, and, and I think that's a, a nice comparison of where I want to go. Josh Allen could do all that. The Bills don't want him to do all that. 
because the Bills want him to be their quarterback for a really long time. And I think the Bills are right. The question is, do the Eagles want Jalen Hurts to be their quarterback for a really long time? I don't know. They Nor do they, and that's why I you talk about not being able to make a comparison. Uh, as soon as Allen signed that contract, the amount of running he was going to do in his upcoming season was probably cut in half. They said, hey, Josh, throw the ball away. Josh, throw the ball away. Josh, get rid of the football. Don't turn it upfield, Josh. Throw the ball out of bounds. Uh, because they are committed to him financially now, not just in their belief, but also in their salary cap, which is huge. The Eagles aren't committed to Jalen Hurts for more well, than... Well, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I've said that forever. I get killed on the stream and everywhere else for saying the Eagles don't necessarily believe in Jalen Hurts. But I'm also not going to go down the route of they don't care about Jalen Hurts. They're not going to use him as this disposable service and just take advantage okay he could run the football now and just use them up and then go to the next page i'm not that cynical which is surprising because i'm pretty cynical <laughs> um i i haven't gotten to that point yet i don't think they want that for him uh but at the end of the day look his running ability is going to be a huge huge part of this offense a huge part on that, it seems we uh, can both agree. Uh, Vinny gave us a good take on the Eagles. I was a little surprised. I got to be uh, honest and admit this. Tony Romo, who took a lot of grief in this town because he was the Cowboy quarterback. And if you're an Eagles fan, you hate every single Cowboy. So you hated Tony Romo, too. Um, but the guy's proven to be a really good. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. In game analyst on CBS, their lead dog. I guess he was doing some media responsibilities this week to get people to watch the games and sponsors and everything else for CBS. He took two pretty hard stances, which both surprised me a little bit. The first was he compared Zach Wilson of the Jets to Patrick Mahomes. You like that, don't you? Yeah, the all-platform throw. By the way, I love Zach Wilson. I love – I think I told you. That kid can sling the football, man. I'm not going to say he's Patrick Mahomes, but uh, he's got these weird and funky arm angles. I can see the comparison. He he does this all-platform stuff that you probably don't want to teach as if you were being you know fundamentally sound, but he's got a natural ability to do it. I, I would be excited if I were a Jets fan about Zach Wilson. He's got some swagger to his game. I will agree with you there, but do you have to compare him to the best quarterback? Yeah, well, nothing never, like setting the bar, the bar high, Tony Romo. Thanks for that, big fair. guy. That's never fair. And that's the reason. See, I, and I didn't hear Tony's comments. I'm assuming he's talking about his playing style and what I was saying, those all-platform throws, the arm angles, the arm slots. He's got a lot of those capabilities. I'm guessing that's what Tony meant, but no, people just no, no. He was talking about production. Well, he can do what about... Patrick Mahomes does. 
That's not about- just slinging it sidearm. That's throwing for 375 yards. If he's talking about production, let me know when Zach Wilson gets around Andy Reid, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, and then maybe, then maybe. Probably not, though. Ridiculous. <laughs> the other thing that Romo said was the Eagles are being well underrated, that people are sleeping a little bit on the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're a team that if they get the right breaks and uh, Sirianni is the guy, double-digit wins this year. Yeah. And he thinks the Eagles can win 10 games. I didn't see that one coming from Tony Romo. Again, it all comes down to where you're setting your bars. And a guy like him, whose opinion is as well-respected as it is, he's a high-profile NFL guy. When you're the lead analyst on one of the major networks, you you just inherit that type of gravitas. He's got the Eagles winning double-digit games, Johnny Mac. Are we putting a little too much pressure on the Eagles? But uh, is that pressure? I don't, I don't, I will say this. If you believe in the quarterback, you should think this team is going to win 10 games because they have the offensive and defensive lines. And that's where everything is kind of morphs from and, and sort of grows out of. So if you believe in the quarterback, you should be at 10 wins. Does Tony believe in the quarterback? I, I, I don't know how you can. Uh, only from this step, we saw 10 live reps. And we saw what we saw last year. So I'll, I'll, I use the term uncertainty. People assume that's negative. Not necessarily. It could be positive. But I think we all have to agree it's uncertain. I, you know, I don't know what to expect because um, I haven't seen it. There's no, there's no demonstrated performance. Um, but if you believe in the kid, you, you should be at 10 wins. I think Jalen Hurts has got a chance to have a real nice year. I'm a little more confident in his rushing ability than his throwing ability. And uh, putting throwing ability second isn't all about him. John, my biggest concern about this offense is unquestionably at the wide receiver position. Oh, yeah. You know how big a fan of Devontae Smith I am. Quez Watkins had a great first preseason game. You can talk to all the joint practice plays that he did or didn't make. I can't because I wasn't there. But he had, even in that one game, he had two plays, one of which was an incomplete pass, one of which was a wide receiver screen, well blocked, well uh, run by him. He just sprinted by everybody and give him credit for that. And one play where he got behind the defense and Jalen overthrew him by about three yards. Um, That's it. And he is now wide re- at least wide receiver three, if not wide receiver two on this team. Because what did Jalen Rager do other than make a couple of highlight practice catches? Yeah. They, they have so little already proven experience at the wide receiver position. It scares the snot out of me. Oh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And I just talked about the uncertainty. So, Jody, you know, you've been – covering this league for a long time. Anytime you have questions, they're not all answered in a positive fashion. So if you say, if Jalen Rager does this, I say this all the time, if Quez Watkins does this, if Jalen Hurts does it, all of those are not going to be positive. Right. I got news for you. And you talk about Quez Watkins, who you know had a great summer, deserves this opportunity because he's better than everybody else the Eagles trotted out there against him. Um at the same time, you say great preseason game, really great preseason play. 
And and by the way, if Brett Toth doesn't make that block, it's going nowhere. If Richard Rogers is not even here, doesn't make that block, it's going nowhere. So I mean, there were other parts to that play as well. And then you bring up the Jalen Hurts overthrow. Well, wasn't an overthrow. Jalen protected him. It might have been, but he also got bumped off his his route early. He's not the most physical kid in the world. So, you know, all of a sudden, a big play turns into an overthrow by the quarterback, perhaps because the wide receiver got bumped off his route because he's not physical enough. There's a lot of issues there. I, I, I wouldn't expect a superstar receiver out of Quez Watkins. I'll just say that. And Jalen Rager, yeah, I mean, the inconsistency and the route running, it's just not good. I don't even talk about Devontae Smith because I think that kid's going to be good. I do have concern, 166 pounds, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. We all know that. If he's out there, I think he's going to be fine. There's going to be hiccups. You already saw hiccups. You saw a couple drops in the preseason. It's not going to be all peaches and cream, but he's going to be a good player. The other two, uh, I'm not confident in. Let's just right. say I, I want Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard out there. And as of now, their backups at the wide receiver position are my guy, Greg Ward, who I have to be 100% honest, had a disappointing preseason. You can talk to the joint practices. I saw the preseason games. He didn't make any splash plays. He made very few plays, period. Last year, he was their number one wide receiver. More catches than anyone else at the wide receiver position. That's got to count for something. But it wasn't like that put so many chips in the bank that he could come back and do nothing this preseason. He came back and did next to nothing this preseason. So I got to admit, my confidence is down on my guy, Greg Ward. But it is certainly well above that of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I still don't understand how this guy's on the team. Other than Howie Roseman used the second-round pick on him, he's done squat since he got into the league, and he is an option with the Eagles because if they've only got five wide receivers, and we readily admit uh, Rager's a question mark and Watkins a question mark, and Greg Ward has not stepped up this year, by process of elimination, Arcega Whiteside's going to get a chance here. I don't have any confidence in him making plays. <clears throat> That, well, to me, makes think. the wide receiver position a very questionable position. Yeah, and they can always remember they still have – they magically got Travis Fulgham through waivers. Uh, John Hightower's still here. They signed the other Keyshawn Johnson. So they have bodies to elevate if they need to elevate bodies. But not Murray. I mean, J.J.'s on this team. I, I talk all the time about, you know, first and second-round picks. Look, he deserves to be on this team for the way he played in the summer only because the other guys don't deserve to be on the team. I mean, if you saw Travis Fulgham and you saw John Hightower, you wouldn't be shaking your head. He's just He had a better summer than those guys. Now, you could have probably picked up somebody better on the waiver wire than all three. That is, that's the problem. That's the problem. you you got to get better at that position. And for the assets the Eagles have poured into it, first-round pick in 2021, first-round pick in 2020, second-round pick in 2019, it's astonishing they can't get it right. 
It is astonishing. You look around this league, Jody. Everybody's got receivers. It's not a hard position to find at least competency. The Eagles haven't been able to do it. Why do you think they didn't upgrade their receiver position uh, through a waiver pickup? Well, maybe it was just as simple as I know Jacksonville picked up a receiver. Maybe it was as simple as uh, not getting the guy they claimed. Uh, Maybe it was uh, they didn't feel there was value there. Um, Maybe, you know, I my biggest argument is I think they needed a veteran presence. And I still think that I still think they need a more veteran presence at receiver. It, it for the bare minimum, just just as sort of a foundation for that room. I mean, Greg Ward is is the veteran in that room, and he was a quarterback at the University of Houston. I I mean, look, I I I would like to have some kind of veteran presence in that room. I really would, but they are where they are. And they are, and the veteran presence is a tight end which is both Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, who's still here, despite the fact that some media outlets had him traded two, All. three, four, five, six times between. I don't know one who didn't. I don't know one who didn't. And by the way, I'm writing about this. Well, you're not a media outlet. You're a media legend. Of course I, will I am say a that. media outlet. I'm you're a media a, outlet a, of myself, <laughs> the same way you are a media outlet. That's okay. You're, you're fair. Fair point. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. And this is not an insult to you. Anyone who was around the team, I don't think there was anyone who didn't think on a daily basis, who didn't think that Zach Ertz would be out of here. By the way, Zach Ertz didn't think Zach Ertz would be here. Uh, Howie Roseman. It's interesting because when Zach talked last week, he said in the end, Howie Roseman believed in him more than anybody else because he wouldn't waver as far as what he thought the value was. Now, he was willing to trade Zach Ertz. He wanted a day two pick. He wanted a third-round pick, minimum. Um, Nobody around the league thought Zach Ertz at that stage coming off that season with that contract was worth a third-round pick. And Howie stood his ground and said, if you're not giving me this, I'm not trading the guy. All right. I think it's interesting. Let me me hop in here for just one second. And I'm I'm, I'm hooking you up to the truth-o-meter here. Okay, Johnny Mac? I expect a truthful answer. Which of these two statements is more true? Howie Roseman held tight to asking for a day-two pick in exchange for Zach Ertz because... He thought Zach Ertz had a chance to bounce back and return to maybe just below Pro Bowl level status, or Howie Roseman wanted to make sure he got no egg on his face for uh, having to settle for a third round pick for a guy that they gave a uh, good uh, second contract to. Which can one I, do you think it was more? Well, Howie's I, tremendous football evaluation and ability to judge the bounce back of a player, or Howie's self-preservation. Well, uh, can I pick a C? Yes, feel free. Um, Because I think the first part of A is correct. 
he, he, I, I don't think the second part of the first part of what you said is correct. I don't think he thought it was going to be this big bounce back season. But I don't think there would have been an egg on his face. And by the way, I'm not saying Howie Roseman had great personnel acumen. I don't think he does. I, I'm saying Zach Ertz now believes that Howie Roseman uh, uh, actually valued him more than the rest of the league. I think Howie wanted a third-round pick because Howie's about leverage. Howie's, we, we always use the Sam Bradford scenario. Howie's about leveraging people. Howie's about winning trades. Howie's got a little Sam Hankey in him in the fact that he wants to win a trade at all costs, even when maybe it's not that big of a deal to, to not get a win in a trade. He's kind of obsessed with that. I think that is what went on. And he was going to win this stinking trade if there was going to be a trade. That's what I think happened. Right. And to me, I called it self-preservation, and I think it is, because uh, if you're always winning trades, you're going to be perceived be do, to be doing a great job uh, in your position. So that's uh, we're, we're agreeing. We're just using semantical different terms. And you're right. Here's here's the best point that you made, where I think you're, you're making the most salient point and the thing that's going to actually help the Eagles this year. It all comes down to what Zach Ertz believes. You yeah. and I can have an opinion here on Birds 365, which is nice. But if Zach Ertz is in a better mental spot because he thinks Howie Roseman held out for that higher pick because Howie uh, values him. No, Howie values himself and looking good himself. And I don't think he did it out of the goodness of his heart or his advanced evaluation of Zach Ertz. But if Zach believes that, good on you, Zach. Go out and kick some you-know-what this year. Get yourself 80 catches. Get yourself 10 touchdowns. Get yourself a mega contract during the offseason. If it motivates him and keeps him happy and got him as a productive Eagle, all Eagle fans should be happy for. Yeah, and it certainly seems to have. And sometimes, and you know this in sports, it's better to be lucky than good, Jody. Sometimes it just works out for you. But uh, I, I do think there's this correlation. This is where I, I said at the beginning of this segment, look, just because Zach is here, just because we all said he wasn't going to be here, the two things aren't mutually exclusive. Zach didn't expect to be here. Zach said goodbye. The Eagles wanted to trade Zach Ertz. The Eagles expected to trade Zach Ertz. It didn't get done. It didn't get done because how he's trying to leverage. And if, if Rick Spielman called up, after Irv Smith got hurt, and the name would have been, hey, Zach Ertz, not Dallas Goddard, and he was offering a second-round pick, Zach Ertz would be in Minnesota right now. Probably would, much to the chagrin of Nick Sirianni. Because I think Sirianni. Oh, I agree plans. with that, too. Nick loves Siri him. Sirianni's got plans to throw the ball to Zach Ertz a lot this year. We'll see how it shakes out. All right, Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald. we got another guest coming. Connor Orr, who's been on with us several times, since the uh, start of the show, does an outstanding job covering the entire National Football League for Sports Illustrated. He's scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. 
If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Appreciate you hopping aboard here on Birds 365. It's game week. They will actually play games. They count this week in the National Football League. Here to jump all around the league with us is the guy who does it day in and day out. Sports Illustrated. He's been on with us a couple times before. Looking forward to talking to him again today. Connor Orr joined us here on uh, Birds 365. Connor, are you ready for some football? Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, it'll be good to see fans in the stands, too. It's good. We saw fans in the stands, Connor, over the weekend, college football and I do want to start there with a the sort of mini bye week baked into the new preseason schedule. So you had all these players going back to their colleges in this environment with this, you know, 100,000 people here, 70, 80,000 people there. Uh, how were coaches in this league thinking about this with COVID testing? And look, we see it with Zach Martin uh, potentially out for Thursday night. Is this going to be a bigger deal this year than last year? 
Well, Tom Brady made that point. He thought that there might be a bigger concern with uh, with COVID, with the Delta variant, with all this stuff going on than it was last year. Um, you know, maybe players feel a little bit more relaxed because they're vaccinated. Um, you know, they, they'll put themselves in different situations and the world is still in that strange sort of half opened up phase. So I think it might actually affect teams more. Yeah, because players are more willing to probably go out and, and, you know, go out to dinner, you know, leave the facility somewhere without a mask on. And, you know, and, and that's the right, you know, they, they got the vaccine and all that stuff, but that doesn't mean that you won't come back positive. Right. And the, and the testing protocol is still as strict. So it's really interesting. I mean, this was supposed to be a nice weekend baked in, you know, I, I know a lot of NFL staffers who got to go home and, and relax and, you know, have a labor day, you know, with their, with their families, which is the whole point of this bye week But that said, you know, there are some, you know, there are some baked in risks there, too. Kind of speaking of Tom Brady and yes, we'll find out on Thursday night. He's finally getting old. It's <laughs> it's not going to be the well, no, probably he will be great again. Uh, he's never going to get old. He's friggin Methuselah, that guy. Anyway, um, Brady took some stances last week against the league, which you got to be the goat to be able to say the kind of things that he said that the way that they officiate games, they reward bad offensive plays by throwing flags for uh, hard hits and overprotection of the quarterbacks. Uh, you have to have that kind of grabby touch to make those kind of statements. Will his stance against the over-officiated the NFL actually get any traction? Will the league actually listen to him because he is Tom Brady? I thought it was a nice little bit of strategy for him to get on the side of all the guys who are going to try to tackle him. You know, so that, was, <laughs> that, was, uh, yeah, that, that was a good, very bit true. Of, yeah. That was a good bit of politicking there by, uh, by Tom Brady. But, uh, you know, I, I think that anytime a, a player weighs in at that level and he has that kind of, like you said, gravitas, I think that that does have an impact on things moving forward. That said, I mean, the NFL is way too far down this road at this point to back up on player safety issues. I mean, you know, there's just going to be wave and wave and wave of, you know, post-career, um, you know, concussion lawsuits, all that stuff. I mean, none of that's going away, you know, mm -hmm. and I would say that even more so now that these players are retiring and have a platform and social media is what it is. And, you know, these these older players didn't have that platform they're going to be open and honest about their symptoms, what they're going through from the moment that they step off the field and they have a big audience. And so I think the NFL is scared of that. I think that they're going to continue to do what they can to lessen the impact of that. And uh, while a lot of people may agree with Tom Brady there, I, I think, you know, you're between a rock and a hard place from a business perspective. All right, Connor, let's shift it to on the field. Obviously we're birds 365. So I want to start with the NFC East and I, I want to get your thoughts on, on this particular division and we'll start with the Eagles. So to me, it, what defines this season for Philadelphia is uncertainty. It starts with a rookie head coach and a young quarterback that is, has started four games in his career, taken 10 preseason snaps. Is there any way, to, to sort of get a sliding scale with this team uh, as far as prediction-wise, as far as certainty. Can anybody know what to expect when we hit week one in Atlanta? No, they, they were one of the hardest teams. I, I went and I, you know, predicted every team's NFL record by way of picking every single game. And I had the Eagles at five wins, but 
I, you know, you look at it over and over again and you could say, okay, well, you know, what if Jalen Hurts is one of these guys that is, you know, um, uses his mobility in the right way, just keeps, you know, is efficient, picks up first downs, the tight ends are really good, you know, and so all of a sudden the offensive line, if they stay healthy all year, you know, all these variables and you could see them winning, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10 games. I don't know. I mean, I think that they have the biggest sort of window in the NFC East where, you know, you could see them very easily finishing in last place. And it almost felt like that was by design for a little while, but now it's like you look at it again and you look at all the, how all the rest of the teams have deficiencies and you're like, eh, I don't think they're that much worse than anybody else. I do want to uh, get this uh, on the record too, because I guess I'm pleasantly surprised the NFL every year before they ever start playing preseason games, come out with their points of emphasis memo, things we need to look at as far as refereeing goes and how they may call the game differently. We just talked about Brady questioning the way the game was called. Well, the NFL questions itself, and it's a good thing because I think they're always trying to improve and improve and tighten up their game. Uh, we had the points of emphasis this year, and I'm always intrigued to see if you can pick up on it in preseason action. I watch enough of the games on re-air, on the NFL Network. Really wasn't a factor for me. The the block below the legs on the outside a little. The taunting thing didn't turn out to be that big a deal. Is it going to be standard operating procedure refereeing the games this year for you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I remember going all the way back to, you know, the like 2010, 2011, when the changes in the helmet to helmet rules happened. And um, that year, especially with the body weight rule on the quarterbacks, where it was heavy during the preseason, it was obnoxious through the first two or three weeks of the season, and then it basically just disappeared, right? And the NFL will say, well, that's players, you know, that's teams coaching it better. But in reality, you know, <laughs> they're just trying to get this thing on the board. You know, they're trying to say that we did our part to protect the players, and they're going to annoy everybody about it for two or three weeks, and then it's going to go away. And, you know, the one thing I don't necessarily understand is the taunting. I don't see how that factors into it, but like anything else, I mean, this is going to be up to the discretion of a crew and there's going to be guys that have a high tolerance for that stuff. And then there are going to be guys that don't. And that's the one variable that I could see where, you know, maybe it doesn't, maybe it costs the team a game this year, you know? Um, and, you know, I think that was one of the things where they wanted to make that a point of emphasis for some reason. Again, I'm not sure why, but that's the one carryover I think that could maybe get a little ridiculous this year. Well, a little follow-up to that, Connor. You think the league learned anything from last season and the fact that, you know, one of the things that J.C. Treader and the NFLPA used uh, about scaling back off-season work was how good the product was on the field despite essentially having no off-season, very limited training camp. Now, I would argue the reason the product looked better on the field or at least looked as good, they stopped calling holding. They let the guys play. Uh, Might have been, you know, you can argue both sides. It was certainly more aesthetic, I would argue. It was certainly more entertaining. And at the end of the day, isn't that what the league is here for? Do you think they learn from something like that? Is that going to continue? Yeah, I could see something like that continuing. Um, But you know, it's interesting. I mean, all it takes is a couple of high profile players to come out on the other end of that. And, you know, you wonder if somebody comes out and, you know, 
I mean, social media as it is right now, I mean, a player could come out and make a great point and the media could jump on board and all of a sudden the league's on the defensive again about it. But um, the argument in terms of the product being good, you know, I, I thought the product was good last year. I also thought that we were so starving for entertainment at that point. That, like, you know, you know, we were in the grips of a pandemic. It was a pretty, you know, bleak time. And to have football, I think, was such a lift for everybody. So I think we were willing to overlook a lot of things collectively, too. But uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do a little bit now that they're under the microscope a lot more. You mentioned high-profile players. I want to ask you about a high-profile announcer. That'd be the lead analyst for CBS, Tony Romo. I uh, took a couple of stances this week. I want to get your thoughts on both of them. First one is, and here's the quote, Johnny Mack. I found the quote. Tony Romo on Jets rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be in the discussion as one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the <laughs> NFL very quickly. I think he's unbelievable and compared him to Patrick Mahomes. He hasn't thrown a pass in the NFL yet, and Romo's already comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Tell me he's right, Connor Orr. Well, I think a lot of these players, it's funny how quickly they, they criticize the media during their playing days and then how quickly they figure out the formula for getting attention <laughs> and you know, uh, once they're done. And I think that that might have been CBS saying, well, I'd just say something a little bit crazy to hype everybody up for the broadcast. <laughs> but uh, I, listen, I, I like Zach Wilson. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he will eventually be a good quarterback because the scheme is very good. I mean, they're running that. Shanahan outside zone system and they got the two guys that you need to run it they got um, LaFleur and uh, the passing game coordinator and they had John Benton the offensive line coach and those are the two guys that you need to run that scheme and regardless I think it's going to look good I think he's going to have uh, about as much time as he had at BYU and that was a big deal everyone made it during the draft that you know he had too much time at BYU but if you're constantly running these play actions you're not going to get touched as much as, as you would I think all that works I think He's still got a long way to go, though. You know, I I, um, I disagreed with a lot of people who said that, you know, he was probably the most pro ready. I mean, a couple of the practices that I was at this year, he, he didn't look as accurate as I expected, but uh, he cleaned a lot of that up in the preseason games. So, I mean, am I ready to put him right up there with Patrick Holmes and Josh Allen and, and all those guys? <laughs> I, not quite. But, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic about him in the long term as long as they can retain that coaching staff. And the other, thing, gotta, that, yeah. the other he, thing that Romo uh, put an opinion out on was he thinks the Eagles are underrated and thinks they can win double-digit games. That surprised me a little bit. Uh, John and I are on record at like seven or eight wins. Neither one of us has gotten to ten just yet. No, it's a wide-open division, not a great division. How would you make the argument for the Eagles winning ten games? Offensive line stays healthy and the they win the games that they're supposed to win um you know i was at the joint practices between the eagles and the jets and you know the jets have a developing offensive line and i saw the eagles defensive line beat up on them you know destroy that offensive line they are good enough to do that right and you know you're going to get the giants twice a year uh the cowboys offensive line is not what it was if you can win up front and your offensive line stays healthy enough to have some semblance of a running game and, and keep Jalen Hurts in rhythm, then I think you have a shot. And, you know, we don't know what Nick Sirianni's offense is going to look like, but if it's anything like a Frank Reich offense, it's going to be super quarterback friendly. You're not going to panic a lot. You're going to always have options, to, and you're going to know where you're going with the ball before the snap. And so a lot of that stuff's going to be, uh, you know, helpful for him as a young quarterback. So who knows? Um, you know, but again, I, I think, again, lowest – 
basement in that division, but probably a medium to high ceiling as well. Connor, we, we talked about Zach Wilson. I want to talk about two of the other young quarterbacks. And, and you know, Chicago seems to want to wait on Justin Fields. San Francisco wants to wait on Trey Lance. Is that the way to go in the modern NFL? Or is it throw them in the deep end of the pool? Especially when you don't have great options in front of them. Uh, what What's your take on that? I think it's all personnel dependent it's like schedule dependent it's a lot of things and you know if i am the bears with that offensive line opening the season against the rams there's a zero percent chance i'm putting justin fields on uh, you know that's going to ruin him and uh you know aaron donald will be in his face all game he'll develop a, a myriad bad habits over the course of 60 minutes that you're going to spend all season trying to erase but um, you know, it depends on team by team. Uh, you know, I think the 49ers are going to work Trey Lance in situationally. Um, you know, I w- it wouldn't be surprised for me to see them almost do what they did with Harbaugh and Kaepernick, where it was, you know, maybe a package here and there. And then that develops into something over time. By the time the trade deadline comes around, he's ready <laughs> to take, you know, the baton and, and do this full time. Um, so I think every team's going to approach it differently. I think it's, you know, you can't lock yourself into one situation or another where it says, I'm going to sit this guy all year when really he could make your team better on the field. But some of these teams, you know, if you're up there and and bad enough to pick a quarterback, you don't have all the necessary things to be able to support a rookie quarterback. So you shouldn't play him. Kind of want to get your take on rookie head coaches in the National Football League. We just went through it a couple of years ago when the Eagles moved on from Chip Kelly. They hired Doug Peterson who some people thought was just a uh, continuation of the Andy Reid era here and didn't like the signing at all. And Doug came in and had a below 500 year, his first year, and then second year, boom, he wins the Super Bowl. Kind of out of nowhere. Nobody expected it, but God, did they love it. We now have Nick Sirianni in place. Judging first-year head coaches, you've uh, been watching all these teams for all these years. There's a handful of changes every year in the National Football League. What are some of the markers that you look for that maybe this has got a chance to work or, oh, my God, this was a bad hire? Is there anything you're tracking in year one of a new head coach, new town, new system, new team uh, that specifically grabs your attention? I think a lot of it is what are you doing with the existing players to kind of bake in the things that they're already good at? um, And, you know, or, you know, how much are you coming in? Uh, cookie cutter style and saying this is my system and everybody that doesn't fit into it has to go and I think that that's a really interesting thing because it's a fast way to destroy a locker room if you go the other way Um, and you know it's a it's a really good way to kind of just get off the ground running the other way so for example you know Brandon Staley in in Los Angeles you know what is he doing uh, with that old offense versus uh, the new offense how much that stuff is he uh, continuing to bring over Um, You know, how many of those playmakers and all that stuff are you making life easier for for Justin Herbert? Um, You know, we saw with Hugh Jackson, for example, when he left in Cleveland, he had never once talked to Lincoln Riley about his offense. But, you know, when he had Baker Mayfield, you know, and how many of these coaches are doing their research, finding out what's making their best players comfortable and continuing to do that in their new jobs. And I think you can find that stuff out pretty quickly because guys really look like, uh, you know, a square peg in a round hole if uh, if they're out there and, and they're not prepared like uh, prepared well that's interesting connor how much do you think the league has changed from that standpoint especially with the quarterback position when you mentioned lincoln riley baker mayfield 
how much do these young coaches look at what they did well in college and build their offenses around that versus the old school way of thinking where you would bring a guy in and teach him a, a pro style offense? Look at Carson Wentz. I mean, that year that the Eagles, uh, you know, he tore his ACL at the end of the season. You know, that was during the RPO explosion. And a lot of that came from Philly. You know, that came from them watching North Dakota State tape and looking at what he was comfortable throwing and and baking a lot of that into the offense. And then every team started running it because it was, you know, it was really good. And then they figured out that no defense was prepared to stop it. And, you know, you're kind of at the cutting edge of that and you win a Super Bowl. And so I think once stuff like that happens, other teams look around and say, okay, you know, there's probably a reason that this quarterback popped to me in the first place and that he got to the stage where he might look draftable. And so, you know, where can we kind of, reverse engineer this and, and sort of steal some of this, but the, the availability of film at this point, um, you know, pro football, all, all the coaches have the pro football focus searchable film database at this point, the availability of that stuff makes stealing offenses, stealing plays, stealing concepts so much easier than it was, uh, you know, f- five years ago, even. And so um, if you're not doing that, I think you're doing your quarterback a, a gigantic disservice. Kind of since you brought him up, I want to follow up. Carson Wentz, the former quarterback here in Philadelphia, major issue, uh, talked his way out of town, <laughs> Eagles with a ton of dead cap money this year, but they've turned the page and moved on. And Carson's already got a couple of hurdles he's got to get over there in Indianapolis. The foot injury and the COVID issue, although he's another one that has not officially said he hasn't been vaccinated you can pretty much read into it with the amount of time that he's missed with close tracing. It looks like he has not gotten vaccinated. And some of the media out in Indianapolis have taken him to task. As a leader of the football team, the quarterback to not get vaccinated uh, doesn't make him look like a good teammate. Is it going to work with Frank Frank out there? Some people believe this is the return of Carson Wentz. Others believe good riddance to bad rubbish, Carson Wentz. Good luck, Indianapolis. You can have him. We don't want him. How is the Carson Wentz story going to play year one in Indy? Well, I think he thought maybe I'll get out of Philly and uh, the reporters <laughs> won't be as tough out there in Indianapolis. Yeah. And he found out the hard way that uh, uh, they were going to they were going to uh, get after him too. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, it. I think it's interesting that what's the one thing you know that that poise that you know that leadership ability that was questioned regularly in Philadelphia, you know, throughout his tenure there. And and what's the one thing that's followed him to Indianapolis. I think that the, the on-field stuff, as long as he has the right offense, that's, that's always going to take care of itself. Frank Reich is going to reinstall what they ran in Philadelphia, where again, you know, quarterback's going to know where the ball's going when it comes out, it makes them more comfortable. They play a lot faster, but everything else needs to be filled in here, you know, uh, you know, stepping up in front of a team, you know, uh, you know, controlling like a, like a franchise quarterback can control. And that's going to be interesting because we've all, we've been waiting for Carson Wentz to do that for, for five years now. Connor, have you talked to any coaches about, well, there's three I know of, certainly Indianapolis, Minnesota, Baltimore, their starting quarterbacks are not vaccinated. Have, have have you talked to any of those coaches and said, oh, look, how do you prepare for this? How is it? I, I mean, we talk about uncertainty when it comes to teams on the field, when we talk about personnel, talent, coaching scheme, evaluate, whatever. But the fact that 
you don't know if you're going to have your starting quarterback on a whim. How, how has that affected teams in certain cities? I'm sure it's going to be fascinating, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins said, well, we'll just have our meetings outside. And, you know, that's that's nice, you know, Minnesota in the winter, you know, when it's negative 35 <laughs> degrees outside. You think the rest of those guys are going to want to be out there? And uh, yeah. so I don't know. I think it puts them in a really difficult spot. I thought Mike Zimmer um, handled it the best in that he was very aggressive. You know, um, you know, he said, you know, yeah, go ahead, reporters, show up and see which guys have to get the daily COVID tests. I don't care, you know. And, uh, you know, that way he's sort of positing this as, you know, imagine if Kirk Cousins does test positive and he misses a game, you know, he has the rest of the locker room on his side where he's saying, I told him to do it and he's not doing it. And, you know, this is all we can do about it. Um, I don't think it's as they're panicking as much. And I'll use the Patriots as an example. Everyone thought that Bill Belichick cut Cam Newton because of the vaccine thing that couldn't be further from the truth, you know? Um, And so I think it all depends on, on your feelings on it, but I think some coaches are more concerned about it, less concerned about it. But um, I think that there's definitely some frustration there. I mean, you know, the fact that one of these guys could miss a game um, because of that choice when it's, you know, there's an FDA approved version of the vaccine out at this point, I think is probably pretty frustrating to them. All right. I need your analytical take on this one, uh, Connor, because John and I couldn't get together and get on the same page last week. We talked about trying to determine if Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback of the Eagles in 2022. I think you need a statistic to at least look at. It doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all, but you have to have a baseline to start with. And I think quarterback rating is the best of non-perfect analytic you can use to try and judge the quarterback. We're both old school. We both believe in the eye test. But I think you have to have some numbers to support it and then add that to the eye test. Um, John believes more in the eye test, and he doesn't like quarterback rating as much as I do. Um, Passer rating. Passer rating. I said quarterback, right. Uh, Passer rating. Thank you, John. Um, Pro football focus as an analytical basis. Again, some things they do I like a lot, and other things they put out just has me scratching my head. And I how do they come up with that? Do you use it? How much do you use it? Do you think it's a good analytical resource for NFL fans? I think that there are some places that have good analytical resources. Um, You know, uh, there are certain, you know, for example, Football Outsiders has defense adjusted value over average, right? And ESPN has total quarterback rating. And some of those just, they take into account situational football, down distance, Um, you know, whether you're leading, whether you're behind. And I think that that's a lot clearer of a picture. Um, Again, you know, the eye test is, is the most important. And I still think almost all coaches evaluate off of their eyes, you know, and they don't look at this stuff, but it is a nice sort of, you know, soapbox to, to kind of get your base on if you're, if you're looking at quarterbacks, because especially now that they can pull out situational uh, stuff, I think it's really valuable. Like for example, you know, if a if quarterback, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, Eli Manning had high interception numbers. A lot of that stuff came right before the half when you're throwing Hail Marys or when you're, you know, down, you know, 15 plus points and you're just chucking the ball up and trying to tie the score. So does that make you an interception prone quarterback or does it make you a quarterback who doesn't care about your stats and you're just trying to get the team back into the game? You know, and so I think that having that kind of stuff is helpful, um, especially when evaluating that position. But I've talked to a lot of players and, you know, I think a lot of them are still 
very resistant to this stuff and uh you know really uh, kind of it's what is Akib Talib told Tom Kern of uh of uh in out in New England that it's it's like reading the sheet music without listening to the to the tune you know what I mean and I think that's kind of still what it is a little bit all right, Connor, I want to veer you back before we lose you, NFC East, because I want to get your thoughts on the division as a whole. I think a lot of people think it's sort of the haves and have-nots. If you want to call Dallas and Washington the haves, the have-nots would be the Eagles and Giants. Um, how do you see the division playing out? Is Washington the one team that maybe because of that defense to really step up and become a, a difference maker in the NFC or is it the Cowboys because of their offense? Well, I had the giants winning the division, but, uh, wow. uh and I had to have my picks in, uh, after the week one of the preseason and I, that offensive line really scared me in the new England game. Um, it, to the point where, you know, not that I'm backing off of it. I mean, I, I think Joe judge is a good coach and, I stand by what I said about Dan, uh, Daniel Jones. He, I think he looked excellent uh, in, in all, all the practices I attended this preseason. But I don't really know how they're going to sustain a whole season with that offensive line. And so I, I think Washington's interesting because they can kind of be a poor man's Buccaneers. You know, you can move the ball um, and you're going to win at the line of scrimmage. And in a, in a division that's just still not established, you know, that might be enough. And, and, and you know, Chase Young is going to be in a star in this league. And, you know, I can see him, you know, contending for that defensive player of the year just because they have all the pieces in there, especially interior defensive line, to get him at the quarterback on every down. Do you think, last one for me, Eagles-specific, do you think Devonta Smith gets a thousand yards this year? The Eagles' all-time rookie uh, record for most yards is Deshaun Jackson in the low nine hundreds. So uh, take it either way. Will he set the new all-time record? Will that uh, extend over a thousand yards with an extra game to play? Is this something Eagle fans are going to be able to sink their teeth into and get excited about their young superstar wide receiver going forward? I think a thousand's probably a tough ask and, you know, I, but I was pretty optimistic, you know, it's hard not to leave Jets joint practices optimistic when, you know, he's working <laughs> on bless Austin, you know, and, and really destroying them on every down, but then, you know, and Austin got cut a few, you know, a few weeks later. Um, but I, I, I like everything that I've seen, you know, I think the, the one real indicator for me was at that camp, he was helping other people line up, you know, and this was only his second or third week of practice in the NFL. And he's, you know, telling people where to go. And so he's got a grasp of the offense. He can get off cornerbacks. Like, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen anybody really that agile and aggressive. They say the thinness is a disadvantage and I tend to disagree when you have that kind of body control. And so I think he'll get open. Uh, it, it's, it's a matter of getting the opportunities at this point. Connor, we appreciate you hopping on board with us. Thanks much, my friend. We will touch base from time to time during the year. You gave us good insight today. We'll get it uh, from you again down the road and we'll be reading you on uh, sportsillustrated.com. Thanks for hopping on with us. All right. Thanks guys. That is Connor Orr from SI.com here with us. I'm birds three sixty five. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac. We still got one more segment to go for today before we put a bow on the show. It's getting close. Eagles-Falcons just around the corner, Eagles fans. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season. 
just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Coming down the home stretch of a Birds 365 Tuesday game week episode here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in with us. Mac and Mac guys did want to get Connor's taken. We thank both Connor and Vinny Serrato. I asked Connor about uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, excuse me, Devonta Smith breaking Deshaun Jackson's rookie receiving record with the birds, which I think he will do. Um, Vinny, when he was on with us, told a T.O. story from his San Francisco days, turning back the clock on T.O. dropping balls all over uh, preseason practices and then the first preseason game, go out and catch him five balls, including a touchdown. Uh, you never know with some of these young players, young wide receivers. Devonta Smith, in his game that he did play, dropped a couple of balls. Hit him right in the hand. Some plays he's got to make. I have faith he's going to turn around and make those plays when the season starts. If you were worried about Devonta because those couple drops, at least what I'm reading out at Cincinnati, 
apparently Jamar Chase is dropping everything, not just a couple, but he drops a couple every game. And every time they throw the ball to him, he seems to drop the ball. And he, of course, was picked before Mr. Smith and was a guy who the Eagles actually were targeting and were hoping was going to be there when they realized they had no shot at him. That's when they traded back down. So rookie wide receivers in the NFL, Johnny Mac, you can't count on them. They 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 need time now, to adjust and get yeah. ready for the NFL. The question well, is, how yeah. long is that time? Yeah, and that's my concern with Devontae Smith is the expectations. I think he's going to be a really good player. And we go back to Justin Jefferson last year, 1,400 yards, I think, on the nose. It's not going to happen. It's so rare. Um, it's it, it, and, and part of it, again, is is where you land, as Connor Orr was talking about with quarterbacks and young quarterbacks and the fact that he happened to land with a high-volume quarterback, and I'm talking about Jefferson, with another good receiver. Uh, so that takes some of the, the, the pressure off you. Devontae Smith, he's got to be the wide receiver one. He doesn't yeah. have another guy who's scoring 14 touchdowns. He doesn't have a quarterback that throws for 4,000 yards every year. Um it's it, so for people that think it's going to be uh, great from from moment one, I don't think it's going to be great. What Connor also pointed out too, when you know he was at Jets practice, Jets Eagles practice, as I was, Devontae Smith just kills people off the line of scrimmage. So number one, that's tremendous. You don't see that often from rookie receivers. Uh, he's got sort of an old soul nature of of. of of having a, a veteran presence about him despite being a rookie. He understands the offense. He's got he's lining up people. I talked about veteran receiver. You should have a veteran receiver that's lining up Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith has got to line up Jalen Rager and Quest Watkins. Um and that's more pressure on him on top of it. So I think he's going to be a really good player, but I think there's going to be some growing pains. The relationship between Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith is going to be a big part of the Eagles' success this year. I think it's good already. I think it can only grow, and I think that could be a uh, major player for the Eagles this season. And remember that Jalen Hurts yesterday was named captain. I'm going full circle here on you, JM, because I brought this up at the beginning, and I think we got off on a singleton tangent because he's one of the captains, more so the special teams captain, but one of the defense Four defensive players, if you consider singleton defense. Two offensive players. There was one noted name missing, as far as I was concerned. And that was Lane Johnson. I get it that Kelsey's been a big part of it. And Kelsey's been on the field more often, whereas Lane has had his fair share of injuries. Um, Brooks, of course, was a guy who came in from somewhere else. I don't know that you would hold that against him, but he's not a tried and true, drafted and been with the team forever type eagle the way Kelsey has and Lane Johnson has he didn't get the vote as one of the six eagle captains you got a theory to that or a reason why that was the case because that did surprise me a little bit yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me either way maybe they just picked one offensive lineman and obviously Kelsey's you know right but they took two defensive yeah um that's true no, I don't – I maybe makes fun of people too much. Lane is vicious. You know, he said we're vicious to each other. Maybe maybe, maybe that wore some people the wrong way. I don't, I don't know. 
is is he is he good at his cutting comments? Oh my, Lane, yeah, you got to be ready. You got to be ready for. <laughs> but then again, then again, you got to be ready for PG as well. So it, 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 you never know with these things. And by the way, you know, I guess in hockey, it's a big deal. I, I, football captains, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Hockey. But that's me. Hockey far and away more important than any of the yeah. other sports. The captaincy really does have an importance. Baseball, basketball, football, not nearly as much, but uh, that's a funny story about Lane Johnson. And don't forget, Lane Johnson, part of the post-game show, which you're going to be part of the post-game show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Correct, McMullen? That's true. I think Lane is a little higher up on the marquee. Everybody is, but we'll take it. I'm, I'm just a part of the show. I'm just a part of the show. But I'll no, be in Atlanta, so there you go. The peeps love you. The peeps love you. They love you, and they love to hate you. So you will be a big part of the post-game show. I guarantee you that uh, whether Lane Johnson gets top billing or not, or uh, uh, however it shakes itself out, should be good to hear Lane here because he is. He's a, we had him on earlier uh, this year when we had a Birds 365 uh, show and he was great with us and yeah he's a leader guy the thing i think about lane johnson these days is yes he's uh out there doing commercials for phil abundance so yeah. i thought maybe they'd throw him a bone and make him the captain but uh they didn't all right you got practice today buddy no practice today practice None. tomorrow no it's one of those things uh uh, uh you know this baked in what we talked about with connor or it's you know that was Part of the CBA when the scale back the preseason was given this extra bye week before week one. So sort of like a regular week, man. Wednesday practice, Thursday practice, Friday practice, and boom, week one, Atlanta Falcons. Okay, so no practice today. They'll get back at it tomorrow. John and I will be back at it again. Same bad time, same bad channel tomorrow. Jeff Curry uh, tomorrow. No, got, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You got COVID testing. Yeah, I think it's Monday. You're out. I'm all... I'm all yeah, I got COVID testing tomorrow. Jeff Kerr will be in. I'll be in at 8 o'clock, though, uh, at the beginning of the show. Then, you know, it's up to weekly. It got ramped up to weekly. Um, so Wednesdays are going to be an issue. But Jeff Kerr, our, my buddy's going to, uh, and your friend is going to kind of fill in as you Kerr, Kerr will hold down the fort, but it tells you how good McMullen is. Co-host, guest contributor coming out of left field he does it all for us here on the jacob media youtube channel he'll be up as he said right off the bat eight o'clock tomorrow we got a early morning contribution from johnny mac but jeff carr will be my sidekick tomorrow uh, we need you right back here 22 hours from now on birds 365 if you missed any of today's show on the jacob media channel listen to the podcast on your way home available on youtube apple and spotify